0: Welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. Before we get started, I just want to invite you on Sunday, July the 24th at 1 p.m. Live on psychov.com, S-C-I-C-O-V dot com to celebrate Pentecost with us. Again, come celebrate Pentecost with us live July the 24th at 1 p.m. Shalom. Praises to the Most High and His Son, Yahusha. We want to give praises to Him on this holy day, on His holy Shabbat. We want to thank you, all of our listeners, for tuning in today. As you know, we've been studying on the seed, and this is going to be part three of the seed. If you haven't listened to part one and two, I suggest you go back to our podcast, which is listed either on anchor.com, Apple Podcasts or even Google Podcasts and several others out there. Go back and listen to them because you want to listen to the whole because each one connects to each one. So you want to be abreast and update on all of them. So suggest you go back and listen to one and two. I, as you know, I am Boyce Washington and on the other side of me is the Pastor Richard Washington and we are the Science of the Covenant. If you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, or if you're listening to the podcast after it has aired live and you have a question still, feel free to email us your questions, and we will get to your question and your comments on air on our next podcast. So, Pastor, we are going to be dealing with what uh, today and dealing with the seed
1: yeah, as you've articulated, we'll be dealing with part three of the science of the seed. And one of the things that we are trying to get at is, is Yeshua, is he really the son of Elohim? And this, this is where we're going. And I think once we uh, understand that, uh, it's some, all the scriptures that I think we'll be able to uh, better understand. So this is this is this is where we have been going, and this is where we are uh, headed. Is Yeshua the Messiah? Is He the Son of Elohim? Okay. With that being said, why don't we have a word of prayer, and then we'll go in to our discourse uh, for this Shabbat. Eternal Father, we are so privileged that you brought us again to another Shabbat. We toiled on the weekend. You gave us blessings. Sometimes we were up and sometimes we were down, but, but the mere fact that we are still here, we want to give you favor and grace and recognition because of the fact that you brought us through and gave us things that we stood in need. Now again, as we chat, as we talk, as we explore your word, we ask that you would be in our midst May the blood of Yeshua cover us, and may the water of the word wash us clean, and may the power of your Holy Spirit give us discernment and understanding that when we finish this day, that we shall have endeavored into thy word in such a way that we can have a better explanation of who Yeshua the Messiah is. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray, amen, Amen. and amen. amen. Okay, if you have your scriptures, our first text that we want to uh, explore is found in the book of uh, Matthew. And then, after the book of Matthew, we want to go to Genesis. Okay, here in the book of Matthew. Now, here it says in chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and we're looking at verse number 25 Matthew chapter 1 verse 25 okay the last verse in the first chapter of Matthew he says and knew not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Yeshua so it says that Mary brought forth her firstborn child and they called him Yeshua okay what's so important about that verse Well, many say uh, it was when she brought forth her firstborn child is when Yeshua actually first became the son of Elohim. So we want to check that out. Now we want to go back to Genesis. Now in Genesis chapter 3, what we want to do is look at the third chapter in Genesis. So let's go there genesis 3 and we want to look at verse 15 okay genesis 3 15 and it, here it reads "It said i will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel okay now here in verse 15 is a promise that after Adam and Eve had uh, engaged in transgression, he says he going to put enmity between uh, the, your seed and the woman, okay, and the woman's seed. Now, who is this talking about? This talk talking about two individuals. In verse 14 of the same chapter says, And Yehoah... Elohim said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all of the cattle and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shall thou go, and thus shall thou eat all the days of thy life. And verse 15 said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So that thee here, or the you, is talking about the serpent, and the woman is talking about Eve, okay? But it goes on to say, He's going to put enmity, 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 which is hatred, between thy seed. And when it talks about thy seed, it's talking about the serpent seed. And he said, and her seed. And so when he talks about her seed, he's talking about Eve's seed, okay? So the enmity or the hatred is between the seed of the serpent, which is the devil, and the seed of Elohim, which is... Ello, which which is uh, Yah, which will come through the woman. So, what we want to look at is what I've enti- uh, in this discourse of the third part of the science of the seed is what we call the uh, the God Man seed, the God Man seed, and we call that theo. Theosanthrosperm. Spelled Theosanthrosperm. that's spell T H E O S A N T H R O S P E R M. Theosanthrosperm. Theosanthrosperm. In this part of our study, we'll concerning ourselves with the seed of Yah and man. Such a seed as this would be equivalent to both uh, Yah and man. In other words, this is what we call the God man. Okay. We have what we have what some would refer to as Adam Seed and God seed altogether, of which we call the the O Santhro sperm or the God man sperm. In other words, God, man, and the sperm together. This is why we read in the first chapter of Matthews of how Mary, she would bring forth her firstborn and he would be the son of Elohim. So we want to trace that down. Now, since the father never took on flesh, a fleshly nature, this would limit the theo. Santhrosperm to the son of Elohim who incarnated into the human flesh, Yeshua, our Messiah, who took on the flesh of man while at the same time maintaining his divinity. So when we look at his divinity, it was not stripped of what we would call his humanity they were ca- they came together so what we want to do here in this study of the theo there are at least two pertinent questions which stare us in the face let's us consider them at this juncture now the first question which confronts us is found in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 19. So let us turn to uh, Leviticus, Leviticus nineteen nineteen. And here it reads in Genesis, in Leviticus, that is, 19, 19. It says, Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind, Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed, neither shall a garment mingle of linen and woolen come upon thee. So here in this text of verse, there are three you shall not that we want to consider it. However, of the three, we want to concern ourselves with the first two. We don't want to deal with the linen and the wool at this time. We want to just deal with the first two thou should not. The first aspect is not to let one's cattle gender with diverse kind. And the next aspect is not to sow thy seed with mingled seed in the field. In these two s- scenarios, with both the animals, plants, it's, it's teaching us not to crossbreed animals with another kind that is not of the same kind. and then it goes on to say, and not to plant different types of seed in the same soil. So what we're seeing, he said, don't crossbreed animals and don't take the same seed and put it in the same plot of land to grow together. Those two things is that we're looking at. So to do so would be a violation of the principles and the laws established by Elohim at the creation. When he declared of the botanical and the zoological and the anthropological spheres to reproduce after their kind, if we mingle or mix seed of one kind with that of another, they would lose their distinctiveness Genetically modified organs and hybridization of animals and plants or, or mankind is forbidding by the Torah. He says you don't mingle uh, plants, you don't mingle animals, and you don't mingle mankind. He said you don't do that. Those are principles that was laid down. In the book of Genesis, he said, everything reproduces after his kind. He do not want things of a certain kind to be mingled with others. That is the authority that he has given power to the plants, the animals, and mankind. That's the authority. He said, Don't 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 mix it. Okay. Now, can we apply this principle to Yeshua? who is both the son of Elohim and the son of man. By becoming Yah and man, did he violate laws of crossbreeding of Yah's seed with man's seed? That's what we want to look at. Did he himself violate his own law? He told us not to do it. Did he do it? If Elohim gave, if he gave these laws, it would seem to me that his people shouldn't, should not that if seen that if his people are to follow these laws should not he himself follow them okay so let's let's kind of look at that okay did he follow the same laws that he gave to his people for after all aren't we told that he is Elohim and that he cannot tell a falsehood you know, he cannot lie. If he gives us one thing, it seems like he should be following those things himself. Okay. So if he tells us to do something or not to do something, should not he be in compliance with his own word? So let us see how this principle of distinction applies to his son who came into this Existence. Now, the first thing we want to concern ourselves with in dealing with the mingling or the mixing of seed is what we call or refer to as the association, the seed association. And we call the seed association the seed uh, uh, the seed amalgamation. So we want to look at the amalgamation, the seed amalgamation. Okay, These are the laws that determine the seed. Now, when we deal with the seed amalgamation, it involves the mingling of seed from that of different kinds or that of the same species. Therefore, we want to examine these premises therefore we will examine the seed amalgamation from these two premises when we make reference to seed amalgamation of different can we call this study the amalgamation of diversity and when we make a reference to seed amalgamation of the same can We call this the amalgamation of likeness. Let us now concern ourselves with our first premise, which is the amalgamation of diversity. So let us be clear the amalgamation of diversity deals with maybe taking a corn seed and putting it with a cherry seed, or taking a wheat, a kernel of wheat seed, and putting it with what we may say, alfalfa seed. You can't can't do that. That's what it's talking about. So we want to see how this applies to Elohim himself. Okay? So, we deal with the amalgamation diversity. The seed amalgamation of diversity concerns itself with the association of seed of different kind. This involves plants, animals, and man. Plants. Seeds of a different kind are not to be grown together in the same soil. Animals weren't to be crossbred with others' animals of a different kind. Neither shall man's seed be intermingled with the seed of another creature or of a different kind. Okay. So when we look at this, what we are saying is that the plants, the animals, and man. Now, we read in Leviticus 19, 19 about the animals and the plants. So let us go to Leviticus chapter 18, and we want to look at verse 23 when we talk about man mingling his seed with a different kind. So as we look in... Leviticus chapter 18, verse 23, it says, neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. So he is saying here, a man or a woman cannot cohabitate with a beast. In other words, you can't go across the line and cohabitate with a beast. He said, that'll be a violation of the Torah. That'll be a violation of what I've designed the the beast and mankind for. That'll be a violation of that. Okay. So, so when we look at that, we understand there's a law out there that says that different species cannot be combined. It only has to be within that species itself. And so that's what we call the amalgamation of diversity. Now, let us go to the, uh, the amalgamation of likeness, okay? Let us look at that. Now, when we talk about likeness, the seed amalgamation of kind or likeness concerns itself with the association of seed of the same kind. Okay, now pay close attention to this. This is not talking about diversity. This is talking about having seed come together of the same kind that he forbids as well. While it is true that if seed of man is intermingled into a woman and she has a child and another man also puts his seed in the same woman, this still would be a violation of the Torah teachings, okay? In other words, you can't take your seed and put it in the same can. Now, what do you mean by that? Now, let's go back to Leviticus chapter 18, and we want to look at just a few verses. We're not going to consider the whole chapter, but the whole chapter is talking about one and the same thing that we are talking about. Leviticus 18:1 says, "And I Elohim spake unto Mo- Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, I am Yahweh, your Elohim." After the doings of the land of Egypt wherein ye dwell, ye, sh- ye shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Cana, whether I bring you, shall ye not do, neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments and keep mine to to walk therein. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am Yahuwah. Okay. Now, here's what he's telling them to do. He talked about incest. He said, none of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him and uncover their nakedness. I am Yahuwah. So what he is saying, even though... You got the same seed as in any person. You got the same seed as your father, your mother, your brother. But yet he says that you are not to take your seed, that the same seed your father put within in, in the mother, the son cannot put a seed into his own mother. A son cannot put a seed into his aunt. A son cannot put a seed into his sister. He is making it plain that even though it's the same seed, you can't put it into your own family. Okay. So that's what we call the seed of likeness. Okay. So when we look, while it is true that if the seed of man is intermingled into a woman and she had a child and another man put his seed in the same woman... This would be a violation of the Torah's teaching. While it is true that all men have the same kind of seed in, in the sense that they are human seeds, however, even though men have human seeds, this human seed that they have cannot be placed in the same place as another man's seed. Yet each seed has its own seed characteristics. Now, what we must understand is that, yes, they made out of the same substance, but each seed from each different person has different characteristics because the characteristics of that seed is found from that person. Even though man's seed, which is his sperm, is made out of the same substance as all other men, yet the DNA and the R-N-A are different from man to man. If a man has one or more women of whom his seed is implanted in, this would not be an adulterous relationship. If he had 10 wives and he put his one seed in all of them, Elohim does not consider that adultery. This is why when Jacob had his wives and his concubines as having children, It was only one seed going into all of them. This is why when Reuben laid with one of the concubines of Jacob, Jacob couldn't touch her anymore because he had defiled her because there was two seeds. But as long as Jacob's seed was in all of them, it was no problem. Now, what makes it an adulterous relationship is that it is more than one type of characteristics contained in the sperms going into her it would be an adulterous affair. Now, while the substance going into her is the same, but the DNA and our DNA substance are different. And because of the differences, it makes it an adulterous affair because a woman that has more than one seed it would be an adulteress, but a man who have more, uh, have more more women who put the same seed would not be adulterous. So, whenever a woman has more than one man, and having more than one seed, it is looked upon as adulterous, an adulterous affair. Now that we have looked at these types of am- amalgamation. Let us apply them to the seed of Elohim. Let us see if he adulterated his seed in any kind of way. So let us apply this to him. Is there a consistency between the seed of Elohim and the seeds of his creation? Does he violate the principles and the laws he has established, or is he in harmony with them? Okay, now, so we, look, we looked at the theosanthroposperm. We looked at that. Now what we want to look at is what we call the theosperm, the theosperm. What we would like to examine in this part of our compilation has to do with what we refer to as the seed of Elohim. And we call this part of our study the theosperm. This word theosperm comes from two Greek words respectively. Theos meaning yas or God and sperma meaning seed. This word theos is combined to sperma and in the union of these two Greek words one of the S's is dropped and the a. On sperma is also dropped, leaving us with the words theos and sperm. The two words together make up our word theosperm. As we have stated, the word theosperm is pertaining to Elohim's seed. His seed can be understood somewhat by our study of the seeds and the plants, animals, and humans. Whatever species a seed comes from is what it contains. In the seed is all the substance needed to reproduce itself. If Elohim has a seed, then his seed would have within it all that is needed to to, to reproduce he himself. Just as plants, animals, man can reproduce himself, Elohim can reproduce himself. Now, we would like to ask the question How do we know that Elohim has a seed? How do we know that? Now, keep in mind that no person has ever seen, never have heard his voice or seen his shape. In other words, there's nobody on earth that's seen Elohim's, have heard Elohim's voice. or or seen his shape, okay? And this is what it says in John 5, verse 37, no man has heard his voice or seen his shape. So how do we know he has a seed? We haven't seen his voice or heard his shape, okay? Yeshua, our Messiah, has declared him to us. So how do we know for sure he possesses a seed? Again, we go back, on the premise that if Adam was created in the image and likeness of his creator inwardly and outwardly, and had within himself the capacity of producing beings after his kind, would not Yah who created him in his image and likeness have within himself a seed to reproduce himself? Why would Adam have any more capability of procreation than his creator? If Adam and Eve could reproduce they themselves, wouldn't it be logical for him to have within his being a seed to reproduce after his kind? In order to produce what we refer to as the god seed, or the God-man, that is, the the Theosanthropos, the God-man, Yah's seed must come by way of the human flesh. For this to be done, the seed of Yah must be put within human flesh with the the Theosanthropos come into the world like all other sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, or would he violate the established protocol he himself instituted, or would he follow another path not yet made known? So would he come the same way that all of the sons and daughters have come into this world, and that is through the womb of the woman? Would he violate that, or would he do the same thing? Now, in order for Elohim's son to become incarnated into the flesh to become a man, he would, or Elohim, would inseminate his seed into mankind by way of the womb. And by so doing, he would come into the family of humanity like all of the other sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. What we read in scriptures is that Yah chose a virgin named Mary to to sow his seed. So let us turn back to Matthew chapter 1. Let us see how he came into the human family. Did he he do it by the same way that all of us do do it, or did he come another way? Okay, here in Matthew chapter 1 and we'll look at two verses here. And the first verse that we want to look at in Matthew chapter 1 is verse 18. And verse 18 said, Now the birth of Yeshua, the Messiah, was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Okay. In verse 23 of the same chapter 23, it says in verse 25, not not verse 25, but verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is Elohim with us or God with us. Okay, so here we see that she would be pregnant with a child, okay? She would be instrumental in bringing forth what we refer to as the Elohim man or the God man, which we call the Theosanthropos, God man, the God man, Theoanthropos, God and man, that's what he would be, the Theoanthropos, which is the result of the Theosperm. Let us now explore the Theoanthropos, sperm, or the theoanthropos. So in other words, his seed in Mary would create the theoanthropos. So in order for Elohim's son to become incarnated into the flesh to become man, he would, as it were, inseminate his seed into mankind by way of the womb. And by so doing, he would come into the family of humanity like all other sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And what we see here is that this is the way that he came into humanity through the seed, through his seed being in the womb of Mary. Okay. now, when we look at Matthew chapter one, notice what it says in verse number twenty three. And we read it again. It says, And behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is Yah with us. In other words, God with us. Now let us turn to the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, we want to ch- turn to chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And. And here in Mark chapter one, uh, we want to look look at verse number one. Mark m- chapter one and verse one it says, it says, in the beginning of the gospel of Yeshua, the Messiah, the son of Elohim. So Mark called him Yeshua, the Messiah, the son of Elohim. So he called him the son of God. Okay? Mary had a son of God, okay? Now let us turn to the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, we want to turn to the first chapter of Luke. And in the first chapter, we want to look at verses 31 and 35. Okay, in Luke chapter 1, 31 and 35. 31 of the first chapter of Luke says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Yeshua. So Luke is saying about the son of Elohim, that when a seed of Elohim was put in Mary, she shall bring forth a-, a-, a son. Now, notice what verse 35 of the same chapter of Luke 135 says. It says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of Elohim okay he said that which you shall bear forth shall be called the son of Elohim okay now let's turn to book of John in the gospel of John we want to look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 14 verse 14 the Bible said and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Bible saying that the word, which was uh, Yeshua, which was with the Father in the beginning, was made flesh. Okay? So, in the Theosathropos, which is God-man, he is both Yah and man together. Prior to coming into this world, he exhibited or he, he existed purely of the son of Yah. See, when he was in heaven, you couldn't call him the son of man. You can only call him son of Yah. But when we came through the flesh of Mary, he became the son of man. And he now has merged man with he himself, which is Elohim. So in order to come into this world, he entered by way of human flesh. It was by Mary that a body was prepared for him. After the transgression of the once holy couple, they were given a promise from Yah, Elohim, that he would put hatred between the serpent and the woman, and between the serpent seed and the woman seed. That's Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman would eventually come through the woman Mary, and she would be carrying Yah seed, who is his son. And as we have looked into both the world of nature and into the botanical sphere and the world of nature in the zoological spirit, they put forth to us seeds which reproduce after their kind. So when we look at this and we look at the Son of Man, mankind is also brought forth by his seed. So naturally we would turn to Elohim to see if he is capable of reproducing himself by his seed. In this part of our study, let us concern ourselves with the seed image of Yah, the seed image. Now, when we look at the seed image, in the seed image of Elohim, we are referring to Yah's seed as the component of what he reproduces himself. It was on the sixth day of the creation that we learn we learn that from the Genesis, the Genesean account, that Yah said to his son, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Genesis 126. If man was made in the image and likeness of his maker, it would mean that he was made in the image of two gods, the Father God and the Son who is God. It said, let us make man in our image. The us denotes that there was more than two uh, persons or two beings there. And so we equate this with the Father and His Son. Now, who were these two Elohims? They were the father and his son. So, Adam possessed both the father's and the son's image and likeness. If Yah said, let us make man in our image, this would carry a number of implications. One such implication would be that if man was created in both the image of The father and his son is man's image of his creator both inward and outward. When Elohim said, let us make Adam in our image and likeness, we also can rightly assume that the us means that there were more than one L present at his creation. We are told from scripture that the father and his son were active in the creation, and the Father Spirit that came forth from Him to commence the creation. So let's look at that. So when Adam was made, we we not only have the Father there, but we also uh, uh, having the Son, who was instrumental in in the image of Elohim. So let us turn to the Book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, we want to look at uh, the chapter chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Okay, here in Colossians chapter 1, we want to read uh, a few verses there in Colossians chapter 1. Now, here's what it says in Colossians chapter 1. want to start with verse 15 and read on down through 17. Here the Bible says, Who is the image... Of the invisible Elohim, the firstborn of every creature. Now, this is talking about Yeshua, who is the image of the invisible Elohim, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consists. So here he is telling us that he was co-creator with his father. When all things was created, he was there with him. Okay. So when we read in Genesis chapter one and verse two, it said and the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters, and he commenced the creation, he started the creation with his spirit. And his son was right there with him. I believe some time ago, somebody was asking about uh, who uh, who was Yeshua and what was his name in the book of Proverbs. And it pointed out that he was with the father from the beginning of creation when all things was being created. So when the father and his son decided to make man The Father said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And from this statement, could we draw the conclusion that such an image was both inward and outward corresponding to theirs? When it says that man was created in both the image of the Father and the Son, if man were in the image of both the Father and the Son, it does pose somewhat of a problem. Was the father and the son an identical, of an identical nature, or were they slightly different in their being? So the Bible says that Yeshua was in his image, but were if he was with the father making the son, was the son's image slightly different from the father's image, or were they identical? Now, if we say that Yah created Adam prior to being, bringing Eve into existence, was he in his image both before and after he created Eve? So when when he created Adam, was Adam's uh, posture different than when he created Eve? And naturally, we would have to say it was different because when he was first created, The Bible says that Eve was not in existence. So when we read in Genesis 127, let's go to that. Let's go to Genesis 127. So in Genesis 127, it says, And Elohim created man in his own image, and the image of Elohim created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay, so what it's saying is there's a male image And there's a female image. And both of these images came from Elohim himself. Consequently, if he made both male and the female in his image, this would mean before Eve was taken out of Adam's ribcage, he was composed of both masculine and feminine traits in his makeup. So if Adam was created in the image of Yah and Eve was also created in his image, would not this mean that if both Adam, a male, and Eve, a female, were made in Yah's image, if Yah's image of he himself, who is only one person, would not this mean that in his being are two characteristics, namely male and female. Would this also mean that Adam, of whom was created in his image also male and female? And this would strongly mean that Elohim has an androgynous nature. An androgynous nature would mean that it would be male and female. Therefore, when he said to his son, let us make man in our image, did it mean that he and his son have one and the same nature? If your son is with him as they are having this conversation about making a man, then we cannot escape the fact that his son was in existence prior to the creation of the world and prior to the creation of Adam, because he's having a conversation with his father about making man in his image. At this juxtaposition, we'll ask a crucial question, a crucial question. If Elohim's son was in existence when his father was talking about making a man, in their image, in order for Yah's son to be a son, the crucial question is when did he become a son? When did he become a son? He's already existing, making man, and yet he's a son, but when did he become a son? In order to be a son, there had to be a time in which he came forth from his father to be a son. A son cannot be a son being in existence at the same time as a father, nor can one be a son after he came into this world of flesh. Therefore, we would have to say that it was sometimes in eternity past that he came into existence. We would have to say that sometimes in eternity past he brought forth his mas- masculine nature, his son. And furthermore, when his son came into this world, Yah did not violate the principles and laws regarding intermingling of seed or intermingling of the kind. We are told in Scripture that Joseph was instructed. He was instructed... Uh, not to be, he was instructed not to touch Mary until she had brought forth her firstborn. In other words, he could not plant seed in her until he had brought forth the firstborn. Now, notice that, uh, when, 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 uh, let's go back to Genesis. I want you to notice, uh, that when Adam and Eve uh, were getting, uh, getting when, when, when they were uh, put together, okay, let us turn to Genesis, and then Genesis chapter 2, we want to look at verse 23, Genesis two twenty three. we want to look at that. Now notice what it says, it said, and Adam said, when he saw Eve, after he had come out of sleep. He said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So, so the woman was also a man, but she was a man with the womb. She was taken out of man. Okay. So we, we, we noticed that he said, when he saw Eve, he said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Now notice that he never said she was blood of his blood. He never said that. He said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He never said blood of my blood. Why? Why did he not say blood of my blood? Because we are told from Scripture that the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's where it is. And I believe that's found in Leviticus uh, chapter 17. He said "The life is in the blood. So what united them in matrimony was more than bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. What actually united them in matrimony was their blood because that was where the life was when a man and woman unite their lives together, they are no longer twain, but one flesh. But what makes them one flesh is because they are one because of their blood. Now, why does blood make them one? Well, actually, blood makes them one more than they flesh and bone, because it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when Elohim breathes his In the nostrils of Adam and Eve, he breathed his spirit in there, and that spirit was life. And when the life went into their body, it went into their blood. It went into their blood. So their blood is the life. And so Adam could say that Eve's body of bones and a flesh came from him, But the life did not come from Adam. The life came from the spirit of Elohim. And so when the spirit of Elohim entered into the blood of Adam, then he became a living soul. So when he got a wife that had life, her life did not come from Adam, it came from Eve. So both of them had life coming from the life giver, which was Elohim. Even though Eve's bones and flesh came from Adam, Her life came from her creator, which is YAH. Therefore, whenever one gets married, YAH's spirit, which he gave to man, in the beginning is the life that is in the blood. Every legitimate marriage has YAH's spirit in it. Therefore, every marriage has a man, a woman, and the spirit of Elohim. For YAH... And Joseph, to share the same womb, was no violation of the laws of Leviticus, nor was it a breach by Yah not to know Mary until she brought forth her firstborn. You see, Joseph's seed would occupy the same place that Yah's seed would occupy, but it would not be an adulterous affair. Why? Because Joseph couldn't put his seed in her because it would be a violation of mingling the seed of the man with the seed of Elohim. In other words, Elohim would be the only seed that Mary would have, but as he put his seed in her, she would bring forth the child. But later on, after Yeshua was born, then Joseph could put his seed into Mary. And why wouldn't it be an adulterous affair? Because every marriage, be it Joseph's marriage or our marriage or Yeshua's marriage, it would be by his spirit, his Elohim spirit that makes a marriage. You don't have a marriage until you have a man, a woman, and the spirit of Elohim. And since the spirit of Elohim is in our marriages, therefore, when Joseph had the same se- his seed and Yah's seed in the same place, it was not an adulterous affair, because Elohim, a spirit that comes in his seeds, comes with every marriage. You don't have a marriage until you have his spirit. Then we ask the question, if Yah put his seed in the same woman that Joseph would put his seed, will this also be a kind of seed in the same Saw. We must understand that Elohim seed is a seed of himself of which when it is deposited in the virgin woman is his pure life coming through a womb sanctified by his spirit. What we must understand is that what made Adam and Eve united together in holy matrimony was not their flesh and bones only, but their blood. And what we notice is that when Adam exclaimed that Eve was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, he was merely talking about the carnal existence from the soil, but the true spirit that made them one was the same Holy Spirit that came from Elohim. Eve had it, and so did Adam. Moreover, once having come, into this world through Mary's womb, was this the first time he is called Yah's son? So we want to stop here, but we want to start next week in looking at the fact that when Yeshua came into this world as the son of Elohim, was that the first time he was called the son of Yah, or was he his son before that?
0: Okay, so uh, now it's only adultery when a man puts his seed into another man's wife. Then it becomes uh, adultery.
1: Well, it could be another man. Uh, it could be another man's wife, or an uh, or or. or. Girlfriend or boyfriend or somebody else, you know. If she
0: have had somebody else seed, yeah. So it's adultery if she's already had somebody else seed, and for another man Mm -hmm. come behind, then that's when it's adultery. Mm -hmm. Now, if she has not had another man's seed, uh, okay. Say a man is married to a wife. And he has a girlfriend who's a virgin who's never had another man's seed. Is that still adultery on his part?
1: No, it wouldn't be because there's no seed that has been deposited. Okay.
0: Now, I know some people want to know, is it adultery if a man or a woman use contraceptives to prevent... The seed from getting into a womb. Say, like they used a condom or uh, some other type of device where the seed doesn't go into the womb. Well, we
1: would look at
0: that. We we would look at that from
1: uh, it may not be what you call uh, 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 adultery as as far as the seed is concerned, because you got a conception uh, contraception, but it would be adultery from the standpoint of them uh being intimate uh mm-hmm. with the uh the with with the uh, with the genital organs If the genital organs are cohabitating with one that would be an underdocious affair mm-hmm. but not from the standpoint of uh, of the mingling of the seed okay. this is why sometimes uh people may not get married for sex there may be something wrong with their sexual organs they you know they they can't have you know that their sperm is not working and stuff like that, but they're still married.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's 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 not on the basis of them having conception, but to have a mutual agreement that they are married in the sense of their affections, but mm-hmm. not from the genital organs.
0: Mm. Now, in the beginning, you stated, I believe, uh, that Yahusha, <laughs> once he was born. He became the son of man, but before that, he was the son of Yah.
1: Yeah, right. There, there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: So, is it possible that Yahusha had two births, one in heaven and then one on earth?
1: Uh, yes, it is. Uh we can't we can explore that a little while. You hit on a that's a dynamic point that you hit on because I'm I'm gonna be dealing with that.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be okay. dealing with that's that's ooh. I don't know how you got that. I don't think flesh and blood revealed that to you, but that's a powerful concept that you came up with. Uh yeah, he did have two births, and I and we're gonna point it out in scriptures why he had to have two births. Mm. Yeah, you know that is it, a most mm-hmm, it, I don't know how you got that, but you jumped ahead, but that's a powerful concept.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I just think of um, the whole concept of us, especially with sin, is being reborn again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And basically, two births. Because uh, mm-hmm. when we born of the womb, and then we enter into a world of sin. And then when we repent, we are baptized in the water, which I guess is the womb, and we come forth again
1: yeah, and, right. and
0: renewed. So I'm just wondering do those two things. Tie into the two births of Yahusha, because it seems like Yah okay. does everything similar, uh-huh. just like with the seed. He doesn't want the seed split between two different things. He uh-huh. has a set order of things, and he always follows okay. in that order. Okay. Uh, since
1: you hit on it, let's 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 deal with we'll deal with the question. Since you hit it, but we'll be going into some more depth of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's turn to the Book of John, the Gospel of John. And we will look at the third chapter. Okay, John chapter. And okay, yeah, that's John. Okay. Okay, let's look at verse 4 in conjunction with the question that you're articulating. It said, Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Yeshua said, answer, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water, and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim, mm-hmm. okay? He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mm-hmm. So here you got here you got two births. Mm-hmm. You got the born of the flesh and born of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, the question you asked, was he born twice? Mm-hmm. When he came forth from the father, that was a spirit's birth, one. Mm-hmm. And when he came forth from Mary's birth, uh, which was flesh, that was two. Okay, now let's look at the significance of your questions, too. Mm-hmm. All right. He, he was born of the father and then he was born of the flesh because the first birth was spiritual and the second was physical. And he had to experience a physical person in order to redeem us because we were in the flesh. Uh Okay. So since we were in the flesh, he had to come through the flesh to get us. Uh So when we are born, just like he was born twice. We got to be born flesh. We was born first of the flesh, Uh which was sinful. Uh And then when we are born of the spirit, then it reduces that flesh. And now we are born of the spirit of Elohim, just like he was. So we get to birth, he get to birth. So when he came from the spirit first and then to the flesh, we come from the flesh first and then the spirit. But we both experience
0: two birth. Wow. Wow. That is deep. I can't wait to hear more on it as you go into it. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll be, we'll, we'll be
1: going into that. Uh, it, it just, I don't know how you brought that question out so soon, but that, yeah, that has a deep significance.
0: Okay, we have a question uh, from mm-hmm. the listener, and it reads, oh, okay. One of our Seventh-day Adventist hospitals transplanted a baboon's heart into a human baby. I believe the baby lived a couple of weeks, then died. Could that be considered amalgamation of man and beast? Is that something that is acceptable in Elohim's sight?
1: No, it's not. Uh, As we say, when you look at uh, Genesis, when it said everything reproduces after its kind, okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to follow that. He was setting the laws right then. See, Adam nor in all of them before the Torah was written. They were given these laws. They they, do, they knew what not to mix. That was re- one to, that's really one of the reasons why he destroyed this world, because even angels was trying to mix their seed with human seeds and mm. creating all these monsters. Mm-hmm. No, that's not permissible. And then when you get into uh, Leviticus 19.19, he is not saying anything different than he said in Genesis about reproducing after his kind. Mm-hmm. He is saying that you cannot mingle the seed of animals with the seed of man. Mm-hmm. He said he don't even want a woman to stand before a beast. In other words, don't don't even mingle with a beast. okay? So when you take um, the surgical parts of a man or or, or a human being and start trying to mix it with the animal parts of an animal, that is not that is not acceptable from a baboon. Mm. You know,. Uh, now, why why are they doing that? Well, one of the most simplistic answers I can give you, why medical science, even in schools, who have had the writings of the prophet and who have had the writings of the Torah, why they would do that would simply be either they they are ignoring the Torah or the Bible, and if they are ignoring it, then they're in violation of it. And if they don't have a knowledge of it, that is probably one of the reasons why they are doing it. Because mm-hmm. if you have a knowledge that you can't mix this stuff, mm-hmm. then why, why are you trying trying to mix it? Now, if, well, well as you say, it only lasted a, just a, uh, a short amount of time, and the person was gone anyway. So my analogy w- would be simply this. Uh, do I want to prolong my life by violating the Torah, or do I want to uh, shorten my life by using some animal part that's a decision that people have to make you mm-hmm. know can I make that decision for them no I cannot I can only tell them what the Torah says and if they choose to follow the Torah fine they choose not to that's up to them okay now let's 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 look at uh, the institutions that is doing doing this stuff now if the institution would not listen to the Torah, do you really think they would listen to me if I told them that, you know, your medical research should not go in this direction? Well, I doubt whether they would listen to me. But the point being is is that if an individual goes into the hospital and has to take a a, 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 a choice between an animal product in his body to be well or not to be well if he don't take it, that's a choice. So I would have to say to the institutions that are doing this, you have to make a choice too of whether you're gonna to continue to heal with animal parts or with the body parts of a human of, of, of another human being. Just like the individual have a choice, that institution has a, has a choice. And there's the responsibilities of our leaders of these institutions to be able to make sure that everything they're doing. Is according to what Elohim has in His Word, because if it goes contrary to that, it's 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 it 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 it's in a violation. This is why when Yeshua came to the earth, He made a statement. He said, "Every plant," I think this is Matthew's. He said, "Every plant that my Father has not been has not planted shall be uprooted." So there are some plants on this earth that are amalgamation or that the seed has been mingled. And Elohim said, when I come again, I'm going to uproot all of those plants. Mm. Is he really going to uproot them? No. He, what he is saying is, if it is not of Elohim, it's going to be done away with. Because when he established the new earth, the new heavens and the new earth, it's not going to be any amalgamated plants in it. That's why he took the Garden of Eden back to heaven after Adam and Eve had sinned to preserve the original species that he originally had on this earth. And they were not mix. No, that's not correct to put a bad being's heart into a human being. Elohim did not decree it that way.
0: Okay. So uh, I think with that, we will transition to our next segment. Up next is Let's Talk About That so today i kind of want to go over tithing uh it's recently in the news if you don't know a minister Creflo dollar has come out and said that basically there's no need to tithe that he was wrong about preaching about tithing and he was saying that in the new testament tithes have been done away with like other laws have been done away with and it's by grace that we all are here and still surviving to make it into the kingdom. So I kind of want to talk about that. Is tithing still? Are we supposed to still do it today or not? So if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me into Leviticus, the 27th chapter, and I want to read verse 30 through thirty-two. That's Leviticus 27, 30 through 32. And all the tithes of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is Yah's, Yahuwah's. It is holy unto Yahuwah, and if a man at all redeem all of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even though whatsoever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto Yahuwah. Now, as the verse said, everything really in this earth is Yah's, and so we are to give a tenth back to him. So, Pastor, my question is, is tithing a law?
1: Uh, well, actually, it goes further than being a law. Okay. Mm-hmm. A law uh, uh, tithing is actually a statute. A uh, 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 tithing is actually one of the statues, you know, that he gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, a statue explains more clearly the law. See, the law says you pay tithe, but uh, the statue tells you how to pay tithe. Okay. It's interesting in ancient Israel, not only did they pay a tithe, you know, of the grain and all of the substance that they had, mm-hmm. but uh, they also paid, you know, uh, a tad on the animals and everything. Mm-hmm. There's one text in the book of you know, Leviticus said, if you, was a, if you were the shepherd and you had a hundred sheep, what you would do, the Bible says, uh, whatsoever passes under the rod, you know, mm-hmm. he said the tenth belonged to the Lord. So what did it mean to pass under the rod? Well, that means if you had a hundred sheep and you take your rod out and start counting your sheep, and when the ship passed that rod, you'll count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then when they go the tenth one go under that rod, you have to take that tenth one out mm-hmm. and, and and put it away. And you keep on counting. Every time you get a 10, you would pull a tenth one out. Because he says the tenth is the one that passed under the rod. So every tenth animal that passed under the rod, you would take out as a tenth. For Elohim. So they paid tithe on both mm-hmm. their livestock as well as their grain. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now uh, you ask, is it a law? Yes, it's the law of the tithe, but it's a statute in the sense that it tells you how to carry that law out. Yes, it is a law. Okay, where did the law come from? Mm-hmm. Okay, where did that law come from? Well, uh, when you look in Leviticus, then, where did Leviticus get it from? Where did Moses get it from? Uh-huh. Well, when you go to when you trace Moses' line, Moses' line goes back to uh, what we would call uh, the tribe of Israel. Okay. Now, let us consider the tribe of Israel. Now, when we go to the book of uh, let's go to the book of Hebrews, I believe. Let me see. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's go over Hebrews chapter 7. Okay, so anything that you do, you ought to be able to trace it back, you know, to to the Holy Writ. All right. Uh, All right, Hebrews chapter 7, and we want to look at verse number 9. Notice what it says here. Hebrews 7, 9. It says, uh, And as I may... So say Levi also who received that paid tithe in Abraham. So Abraham, uh, before, see, now, you know, Moses was from what tribe? He was from the tribe of Levites, he and Aaron and, uh-huh. and his sister Miriam. They was from the tribe of Levite. Okay, so he is saying before the tribe of Aaron or the Levites came on or on the scene, that they had already paid tithes in Abraham. Why? Because Moses goes back to the... uh, If you trace it all the way back to the time of Abraham, and you remember Abraham paid tithes to who? Melchizedek. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. All right. But if you go back uh, with Abraham and you come forward, Abraham had how many sons? He had, uh, well... Abraham had uh, two sons, but the one he had, Abraham had Isaac, but the other sons, it was from Hagar that they, they don't count within the ones that he got from Sarah. Mm-hmm. So when he had Isaac, then Isaac, who had what? He had Jacob. Mm-hmm. And Jacob is the one that had, the, his name was changed to Israel, okay? So when his name was changed to Israel, Then the Bible says that Jacob had made a vow that when he was going a certain place, he asked Elohim, he said, if you bless me again to come to the house of my Elohim and give me food to eat and all of that, he said, I'll give you a tenth. I'll give you a tenth. Okay, now you got to ask yourself that if Moses was dealing with Mm time and he came down through the land of Levi and Levi was one of the sons of Jacob, then where did Jacob get it from? Okay. Well, the Bible says in the 14th chapter of Genesis that Jacob, or Israel, can trace his land back to Isaac, and Isaac traced his land all the way back to Abraham, and Abraham paid a tenth to milk a So we see that the tithe was already in play with Melchizedek. So if Melchizedek was a priest after the most high Elohim, then Elohim gave it to Melchizedek and from Melchizedek down to Abraham. And Abraham gave it to Isaac. And Isaac gave it to Jacob, who became Israel, who passed it on down to Israel. And by the time you get to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the Bible is saying that even before Levi came into existence, Abraham, who was paying tithe, that they paid tithe out of Abraham's loins. So, yes, it is a law that was built into that constitution by
0: Elohim. So Creflo Dollar said that tithing has been done away with, that there's no evidence in the New Testament really of them paying tithes. He said, you can still give, but tithe is done away with. So is that true? That tithe, they were not paying tithes anymore once Yahusha went back to heaven and died.
1: Okay, well, let, let's uh, let's try to let the Bible deal with that because, see, a lot of times people are saying that when Christ died, uh, on the cross, uh, that the law and everything would deal with it, because see, your first question was, was Tithing the law. Uh-huh. So if you said Tithing was the law, and they believe that once the he died, that the law was done away with, then that would sweep away Tith, you know, along with it. If that's the stand you take,
0: uh-huh.
1: okay. But, but what we need to understand is this: if we said that Yeshua taught us how to live. And he taught us the right principles, uh-huh. then one, one, one what would, one would have to think that if you say that he did away with tithe when he died on the cross, then wouldn't it be logical? I mean, just, just think, even without the scriptures, wouldn't it be logical if he did away with the tithe, wouldn't wouldn't he have done away with that while he was living so that we would know not to do it? Uh-huh. Because if you Even the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that a a testament is no good after the person who has the covenant dies. He said a a covenant is only good when a person is dead, Uh but while a person is living, he says the the covenant is no good. Why is the covenant no good while a person is living? Because he can change the covenant, he can change it while he's living. But when a person dies, according to the book of Hebrews, then once he's dead, he can't change that covenant. It's, it's there. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying if he wanted to change the covenant, say you don't have to pay tithe, seemed like he would have done that while he was living. So when he did, then we could say, we don't have to pay no tithe no more because he taught us in his while he was living that we should not pay it. And so now that he's dead and he has changed it, we don't have to pay it. But that's not the way it was mm-hmm. when he was living. He, rec- he recognized the tithe. So when he died, if he didn't change it before he died, you can't jump up and say, well, he changed the will once he died. If I die and said my will, you can't change it. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's look at the scriptures and see if that was so. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 23. Mat- Matthew chapter 23. And uh, we want to look at uh, verses uh, number... Uh, let me see. Well, we'll look at verse number 23, Matthew's twenty-three, twenty-three. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, they're saying that when he died, he did he did away with the task. Well, let's see what he taught. That's just like saying uh, when he died, since he said thou should not kill, so since the law done away with, now you can kill. <laughs> so let's not pick and choose now. Yeah. If we pick and choose, we'll be picking things we want to say is done away with. And yeah. then things we don't want to do away with, we say he didn't do away with it. So we can't, you can't have it in both worlds. Yeah. If he did away with the law, he did away with everything. And if he didn't do away with it, then everything is in perspective unless the Bible itself come out and tell you, like the sacrificial offering. He tells you that that was done away with because mm-hmm. he took the place of it. But other things he didn't come out and say it was done away with. Now, notice what it says. In Matthew 23, it said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anus and cumin and have omitted omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Okay, now, I I want to explain some of what this is talking about. It said that the Pharisees... And in the, in the scribes, he called them hypocrites. Why did he call them hypocrites? He said, "For uh, you pay tithe of all of this. He said, you pay tithe. He said, you go into your garden, you get the mint leaves, and you pay a tithe on the amount you get, and you get anus, which is an herb, and you 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 sort out so much, and you pay tithe on that, you take it to the priest, and you got cumin. cumin is a nice-smelling uh, seed that you can put in flavor in food, he said, but you pay tithe on it by bringing a tenth of it to the priest to put in his food. He said, but you have omitted omitted the weightier matters of the law. Okay? He said, what are the weightier matters of the law? He said, judgment, giving people mercy, and having faith. He said, you don't look at that stuff, but you do pay your tithe. Now, here's the crux of the matter. In verse 23, the latter part, it says... It said, these things ye to have done. He said, you should pay your tithe. He said, you should have done that uh-huh. and not to leave the other undone. So what he's saying, yes, you do continue to pay your tithe, but let's not neglect the law, the judgment and mercy and faith. Let's only like that. He said, you ought to have done that. So what I'm saying, when he died, it couldn't have been that he changed it because that's what he taught when he was in life if everything that he taught in life he died was done away with, we don't even need to go to church. We don't need to do anything yeah, because he didn't die away with everything. So he is saying, yes, you pay your tithe, but make sure you don't leave out mercy and faith and all of the other stuff.
0: Um, now I have a question from a listener and this kind of question I wondered to myself too. If you don't attend a religious organization, can you use tithes to help others, or is tithes just supposed to be set apart, uh, just for a specific purpose?
1: Okay, well, let's let, let's look at look at your question. Uh, okay, it it merits an answer. Okay, but let's 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 look at Abraham. Uh-huh. Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. Okay.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Okay, we have Jacob. He paid his tithe. We had Moses and the children of Israel. They paid their tithe, okay. But can but can anybody understand why? Uh, who did who did who did Jacob pay his tithe to? Well, wow, he was so wrong, he didn't pay it to an organization or any, anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what? Yeah, okay. So um, I think your question has two parts. Okay, I'm gonna, the first part I'm dealing with is is is, is just a tithe. Tath, and we get to the second part later. Uh-huh. Okay, so if if Jacob didn't have an organization, then one thing we can say is that Jacob was the organization itself. Uh-huh. And then when you look at Abraham, even though he paid Tath to Melchizedek, he was not always around Melchizedek. Uh-huh. So what did he do with the tithe? It would suggest to me that if that if he was not around the priests, or Melchizedek, or those who was in in, in charge of the spiritual welfare, because Israel didn't come until later on. I could only think that the tithe that Abraham had accumulated to give to Melchizedek, and even after he did not come in contact with Melchizedek, was something that he kept separate. Mm -hmm. And as he kept it separate from what his other uh, 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 treasures were, that was special for Elohim himself. Okay. Okay. So I can only think that when he pay, when he kept that special tie just for Elohim, then he could use it for spiritual purposes or for purposes to develop the kingdom of Elohim in order to give to others. He could use it for that purpose. But he could not use it just for his children, just for himself. No, it must be designated to be able to use in the cause of Elohim. What were the causes of Elohim? Now, the Bible tells me, I don't know, but the Bible says that when he went to get Lot from being uh, uh, taken uh, 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 by the enemy, the Bible says that Abraham, who did he do? when he went out there, I think he said he had 218 servants. Mm -hmm. Now, could you tell me, the Bible never said where he got those 218 servants from. But I could imagine that the life that he lived and the money that he had, he could be able to possess those servants. And if he had money, you know, for himself and also money for Elohim, I would only think that he could use that money for any cause that would help the kingdom of Elohim. And and we today, if we don't have, have, have no organization that we give it to, we can still set it aside. And when we see spiritual things such as tracts, mm-hmm. such as helping uh, uh, in the cause of, of the kingdom I'm talking about, I'm not talking about all this secular stuff, just paying somebody's rent and, you know, and buying them clothes. I'm going talk about that. Uh-huh. I don't think the task should be used for that, but I get to that later on. Uh-huh. But what I'm saying is we got a podcast. It can be used for that. Uh, we have uh, uh, maybe literature we want to get out. That can be used for Elohim's cause. We can have, if we want to get on the radio or television, we can use that money for that that's talking about the kingdom it's not for us personally mm-hmm. it's to get the word out it's so it's a plethora of things that we can use the tithe for if we're not given to an organization because the same organization that you give it to they're going to take the money and use it for the same thing anyway yeah so you are just doing it individually as they do it collectively now should you take your tithe and use it to help the poor no mm-hmm. no because if you look at his system He has a system to deal with the poor. Even when I read in one of my favorite authors' books, she says that each of us should have a fund. Don't have to deal with the tax office. We should have a fund in our own budget to help the poor. Mm. See, a lot of times a one-on-one we can help them, but sometimes it's bigger than a one-on-one in that we may, that fund has to be combined with a larger fund to help the poor, But we don't have to touch the tithe for that. See, a lot of people want to justify the tithe. And as we were discussing earlier, uh, my son and I, is that if you use the tithe for any other purpose than what the tithe is for, then you have to pay a fifth. So if his tithe is 10%, you have $100, and you use that tithe to help the poor somebody, when you do pay the tithe, you're going to have to pay 15% because you use the tithe money for that. Elohim has never said, take what's from him, to give to the poor, he said, "A poor you have with you always. So you, your, your task would be drained every month or every week whenever you got your pay, because you'd be giving to the poor. You gonna always have the poor. You can't take the poor and put before the person who made the poor. Hello, he made the poor. He said, I know the poor is out there, but you don't take my time to give to the poor. Because if you do that, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. You have taken the poor and put over me. He said, I can take care of the poor. But in taking care of the poor, he said, you should have your personal money or you should have a select fund that you set up for the poor. Because I intend in the future, if the Lord continue to bless me, I'll be going down in Detroit and trying to help some of the homeless people. But it won't be from the it won't be from the tithe. It'll be from other monies that come from the tithe to give to some of the uh uh the, uh, the shelters down there that shelter women and men who does not have a job or place to be able to help them. But I should not take what Elohim has asked me to give him to give to the poor. The poor have their their, their money. And Elohim said, I take mine. And mine is use to build up his kingdom. Because if we're around here building up the poor, we can be able to help them to get fat and to get clothed and all of that. But if they don't get to the kingdom, <laughs> then what good is it? We have only... We have only uh, given them bread to sustain themselves for a carnal existence rather than a spiritual existence. So the tithe goes for his cause and the other monies that we have can go to the cause of the poor.
0: So is that where the offering comes in, where the offering can go towards the things of poor and everything else?
1: Well he uh, he has a number of, of offerings now. One of the offerings you know that he has is is that especially for the feast days is a third offering to help those who need help in getting to the places that they are celebrating the feast days. That's the third offering mm-hmm. and that's what you save up that when you go to uh, keep the feast days, especially at a location that you have designed, then that money is to help those. In order to get there Who may not have the wherewithal to get it Now if you got the wherewithal to go Where they are Then when you come to that festival You bring that offering to the festivals And you donate that for that particular cause But now uh, The Bible says now When you read the Bible We can turn to Leviticus Let's turn to Leviticus 23 uh, Leviticus chapter Well I wouldn't say 23 But uh, after uh, 23, you'll see they have a number of uh, things they have to the pour. you see see. They talk about the various times of the year in which they would get their harvest and stuff, that they would uh, take it and they would share some of the harvest with those in the community. Okay? Now, when you look at uh, Leviticus 23, and you look at uh, chapter 25, it says in ver- verse one, and uh, and Yehoah spake unto Moses, saying, in Mount Sinai, saying, "Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I shall give you, then shall ye keep. Then shall the land keep a Shabbat unto you." Okay. Now, every seventh day and every seventh year, that when they were coming to the land, they had to let the land rest. And a lot of people say, "Well, how did they get their food?" He said they were able to eat up the old store. See, the old store for the six years that had been coming up. It says six years, verse 3, six years thou shalt sow thy field, and the six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year ye sh- shall be a Shabbat of rest unto the land, a Shabbat for the Yahua. Thou shalt neither sow the field nor prune thy vineyard. Okay, you should just let it grow. And he was saying that during this time that uh, it was all right for a stranger to come and get the corners of your land or that strangers could come into that land and eat, too. So he made provision that even if you had a crop, there was a portion of that crop that would remain for the strangers. You remember when Yeshua was on earth and the disciples went through the cornfield and they began the dis- disciples to eat corn and being with the Pharisees or the Sadducees says to his master, your disciples are plucking the corn from somebody's field eating. Yeah. And 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 then he related to them, have you not read what David did when he went into the temple and ate the showbread bread that was on his priest? And also it was also that. Uh, the disciples was doing something that was perfectly in harmony with what they were doing, because Elohim says that it's all right for a stranger that is hungry. Now, they couldn't take no extra corn, put it in their pocket and walk out, but they could eat enough at that particular time to get enough nourishment to be able to move on. So that was for the poor. And so just as a field was open to the strangers and those who were poor, so was there <laughs> Their, their monies that they should take the same thing do with their monies as they did with their fields to be able to help poor.
0: Now uh, in the eternal kingdom will tithing still be a thing or will tithing be done away with?
1: Uh, well I don't know if the uh, I don't know if tithing would be the same thing in the kingdom uh, but mm-hmm. let's look at a principle. Let's look at a, 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 a principle here. Let's see, let's turn to Isaiah 66. Let's see, I think we can get a principle. I don't know if it's the same uh, way that we're doing it here that we do it there, but I think we can do something from this. Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see, it's, uh, Isaiah 66. All right, here it says, in uh, 6 I'm, I'm going to start with verse 1. It said, Thus said Yehoah, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye built unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been said Yehoah. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of the contrite spirit, and tremble at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificed a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he uh, offered a swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he Blessed and idle, yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighted in their abomin abominations. Okay. And he goes on to say, I will also choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them, because when I called none did answer, and when I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that which is, which, which I delight not in. Hear the word of jehovah ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hateth you, that cast you out of my names, cast you out for my namesake, said jehovah be glorified. And, well, let me read that again. That cast you out for my namesake sake, saith be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. A voice of the noise from thy city, a voice from the temple, a voice from Yehoah, that rendereth recompense for his enemies. Before she travail, she brought forth, before her pain came, she delivered of a child. A- a man child who hath heard such thing, who has seen such thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion it, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth, not and not cause to bring forth? saith Yehoah shall I cause to bring forth and shut up the womb, saith Yehoah. So what this is saying, that on this side of earth, there was a number of things going on. Uh-huh. And when you see that, they, uh, on this side, they were marrying and they were doing things of that sort. Um, they were putting down the poor and mistreating them. So I can imagine on the other side, we won't have the poor. We uh-huh. won't have all of that. So just as they w- won't be marrying and given in marriage on the other side of heaven, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of things that we're doing here is going to need to be have done there. Okay. So when we talk about giving tith, tithe is to build up the kingdom in order for souls mm, to be okay. able to come, you know, to Him. Okay. So I don't know if we'll be trying to get souls and stuff into the kingdom because they'll be already in the kingdom. So I don't see that the law of tithing uh, in the same way we're doing it here. Will be done there because the Bible, it doesn't. I don't. I haven't read in the Bible or, or even in in, in in the other books of the Bible
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it talks about a tithing be done in heaven. But let let's look at this. Uh, let's look at this also in same book that we're in. Okay, uh, is it, it said? Uh, let me see. It says here in as uh, is sixty six. It says here in verse 20, it says, And they shall bring all of your brethren for an offering unto Jehovah out of all nations upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mews and upon beasts to my holy uh, mountain Jerusalem, saith Jehovah, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of Yehoah. Okay, now many people have looked at this section says it's going to come a time that all of Elohim's people are going to be coming back together again, and we're going to have the second exodus. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if you read on down, it says something else that is quite interesting. It said in verse 21, and I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, said Yehoah. Now we know that according to the book of Revelation that the Bible says when we get to heaven, we're going to all be priests or priestess and kings and queens. Because what it says is that when Yeshua died, he made us kings and priests in the book of Revelation now. Uh-huh. So here he's talking about priests and Levites. For as Now, then it goes and says, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make shall remain before me, saith Yehoah, so shall your seed and your name remain. Now, this is talking about the new heavens and the new earth. So we're going to have a new name when we get there. And when we get there, he said, our seed will remain. So what is it saying? In the new earth, things are going to be done kind of different, but there are going to be some sameness. And he said, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, shall all flesh come to worship before him, uh, the Yehoah. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me for their worms shall not die. Neither shall their fire be quenched and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. So what we're saying is two things here. We're going to be in heaven. And then when we come back to the earth, uh-huh. we're going to see the carcasses of the bodies of those who are destroyed. But in the new heavens and the new earth, It talks about us being priests and being Levites and all of that, but the question is, will we be having the same tithing system as we have having here on earth, seeing that we'll all have our own land and all will have our own place of abode? So what need we to give a tithe and the offering unless we come before him who has everything, He said, because everything we give is his already. Mm -hmm. So I think the praise at that time may not necessarily be the produce or that which we bring to him. But as the apostle Paul said, our praise would be the praise of our lips, giving him praise and honor in what he has done to redeem us rather than the stuff that he used to help redeem us. I can't say we will or we won't, but I can say the Bible does not say whether we be baptized
0: an offering in heaven. Uh, We had a comment from a listener, and it says, I pray this is not the case, but Creflo Dollar also brought out scriptures that said we should give more than 10%. And perhaps he was trying, perhaps he was saying he could get more money if he doesn't preach on giving 10%. only. I am not judging him, but something just doesn't seem right. Um, basically he has said, uh, from what the video of what I saw that you don't, he's basically is saying you don't have to give 10% that you can give less than that. He did say, you know, you should give something, but it's just not 10% as you know, y'all requires. And, And basically with him saying too, that, uh, in so many words, the law has been done away with and... Grace is what covers us. That in almost essence, he was basically saying is that tithe is irrelevant, we don't have to give it in so many words. That's my interpretation mm-hmm. from what he said.
1: Yeah, well, even if even if you didn't give your interpretation, uh, it, it, what's significant to me was if you say Elohim said we don't have to pay tithe and offering for that, you, sh- you give me chapter and verse in the Bible, and he says that because yeah. I've just read. And in, in Matthew 23, 23, he said, these things you ought to do. And it's okay, correct.
0: Now, so it, it's funny yeah. because he brought out that passage, but he didn't, he just took a teeny bit from there. He didn't dwell on the whole thing and didn't explain the whole text of Matthew twenty three
1: twenty three. Yeah, so what I'm saying, if you say it was done away with, you show me chapter and verse that it was, because yes, Yeshua said it should. So mm-hmm. if you're the task, we're paying less tithe and you're saying that you just give an offering, who are you to tell Elohim how to run his church or his people? In other words, you putting your word before Elohim's word and saying, this is what you do. Now, isn't this what we said about the Catholic Church? We said the Catholic Church made their own rules. They changed the Sabbath day, and they changed even the way that we are atoned for. They said, well, if you do wrong, you can pay the priests, and your sins can be forgiven. Elohim has never said you can take and pay for your sins. He never said that. Mm-hmm. So if you can institute something in the place of tithe that he did not put there, then you're saying you can do it your way. Okay, say, let's go with your way in. Let's say you don't have to pay a tithe. But then if you say you have the power to change it to what you want, then do not I have the same power? You're a man just like I am. I can say, well, I don't want to pay it at all since it's been done away with. So would you have a problem with that? And so a lot of times the reason why you're saying you don't have to pay a tithe, you pay less. because mm-hmm. well, you know, and I know that you got a big jet plane riding around, and as a result of that plane riding around causing so many millions of dollars that the poor man can't even, uh, he can't he, uh, afford a plane, and some of the people in that congregation can't even afford a car, they on the bus. So in order to reach that level, you say, well, you don't have to pay a tithe, but just pay that little bit that you got. So you are getting from the rich people as well as the poor people a a a a system that you have set up. And one of the things that Elohim has said in the book of Malachi, the reason why some people may be poor, and I think you preach riches, is that it's not the sowing of a seed. It's he said, if you pay your tithe, I will increase it for you. And the very thing that he's on increase and giving them the blessing on is a thing that you have taken away from them.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what's funny about that is if that's his stance now on tithe paying, I don't know. I didn't watch the whole thing, but why not give all that tithes back to the people you took that money from then? Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. if you don't have to pay 10% or it's optional, well, why don't you get the money back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's not going to do that. At not
1: at all. Yeah, yeah but if everybody going to set up their own standard, then what need we to give an offering at all? Because you saying yeah. it's been done away with.
0: You know, it, it is yes, crazy. Sir. It's always when it comes to a lot of these religions and grace, uh, they feel grace covers everything, but they want to pick and choose. You know, uh, if mm-hmm. if grace covers everything, what need is for me religion, what need is church, what need is for me the Bible. I can do what I want because grace going to cover me. I can go out and kill somebody, steal mm-hmm. from people, fornicate, do whatever I want. But grace going to cover me. But then a lot of these guys, they have to walk. Well, well, no, you can't. Well, why can't I? You said grace going to cover me.
1: Yeah, but well, a lot
0: of stuff they talk grace is not
1: grace. It's really disgrace because of the fact that Elohim got a specific way he wants you to live. Yeah. And, and that wasn't done away with the cross. The only thing was done away with the cross is that when you come to the cross, is that he takes your sins away. And your mm-hmm. sins is going against the Torah. And when you start robbing God of his tithe and offering, you're a thief. Mm-hmm. That's sin. And the Bible says, you know, that we should not, uh, the Bible says, thou should not steal. Mm-hmm. When you, you don't give Elohim his, his tithe, you're stealing. So if you said he done away with the law,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're doing away with the thing that says don't steal. Mm-hmm. So when somebody gets shot, so when somebody uh, go in your house and take everything you got, you can't pick and choose and say, well, no, it was just a task he did away with. He didn't do what, what. no, you said he did away with the law. So yeah. that means if you come into your church and steal your pews, if you break into your parking lot and steal your car, you, you, you can't say he did it wrong because you said the law was done away with. Yeah. Grace doesn't give you the ability to go against the law. It gives you the power to keep his law. As long as you keep it his law, you're under grace. But when you start breaking his law, you're under disgrace. He didn't die for you to continue to break his law. He died for you to keep it. Yeah. And then the, what you broke, he would atone for you, and he would give you grace to say, hey, you got grace with what you did, but the grace is also helping you in the future not to do that.
0: And, you know, too, uh, if it's just for grace, what need is for Yah to come again and to get the righteous. I mean, if that's the case, he could just end everything right here and now and everybody go into the kingdom. That's the case. Yeah. You know, there's no need for us to be living any type of thing. I mean, well, if, if Yah fulfilled everything with his death, seemed like everything would have ended with his death. That there's no need for us to even be here and doing what we're doing now. Yes, certain. Certainly.
1: Because the Bible says during the time of the flood, he said, Noah found grace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if, if grace could just cover your sins because you're saying the law has been done away with, then uh, all of those people that he destroyed in the flood, he said, the only one I'm taking is, is Noah because Noah has not changed my order of things. And because he has not changed my order, like uh, these giants and these creatures and the, and the human beings that are going against my law, he says I'm gonna have to destroy them. So if now we come and say, Well, Yeshua, he died on the cross, so he he did away with the law. Well, if that's true, he would have to wake up all of those people during the time of the anti-deluvian world and say, wait a minute, I'm gonna have to wake y'all up mm-hmm. and let y'all know that I'm gonna have to save y'all because y'all broke the law and I destroyed y'all. But now when my son died, they destroy they do they doing the same thing y'all did and breaking the law, and but I'm gonna save them. I must apologize to you. I made a mistake, because if I judge them by the same, a different standard than I'm judging by you, that's not right. I'm yeah. not a Elohim of duplicity. If y'all were killed and destroyed, and will be ultimately destroyed because y'all did not do my will, then the same standard for them is the same standard for us. Mm-hmm. If we can get away with sin, then y'all should be able to get with it, get away with it. Matter of fact. Yeshua didn't, if if he was going to do away with sin, which is the breaking of the law, and you say it's been done away wait with, he would not even need to have come and died. He could have just said, wait a minute, I changed my law, so my son don't have to die. So, uh, since I changed my law, everybody that break it, then you okay, because I changed it. And so, my son don't have to come down to this world to die. Yeah. But his whole reason to come down here to die is because you sin, and he's taking your sin and giving you his righteousness, in justification by faith so that you can get the kingdom again. You don't have to die the second death. Uh-huh. So when you say he, he he did away with the law, he couldn't have. Because if he did, he got a lot of apologizing to do to the people in Sodom and Gomorrah and the rest of them because of the fact that he don't change the standards. But he said, I'm an Elohim. He said, I'm the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. I don't change.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point to end this podcast. So, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out this session? Okay.
1: of oh, Father, we thank you that we can come again. It's a delight to study your word, and this is joy, oh, Heavenly Father, to have your spirit to enlighten our minds to the truth of the last days. Pray, Lord, for the sickness yet in, for those, oh, Heavenly Father, who have lost loved ones. Pray for those, oh, Heavenly Father, who are going through turbulent times. So for those, who, oh, Heavenly Father, do not have employment and to be able to make the necessary ends, Lord, to meet the needs in which they have, that you would guide them by that spirit, O oh, Heavenly Father, and give them the things, Lord, that you stand in need. And for those of us where we see in need, O oh, Heavenly Father, that the resources that we have, we can help them, but we can still be true to you. So we ask that you bless my host, bless me, bless each listener, bless those who will be listening, maybe during the week who did not get us this day? that they too may be be able to be imbued with the understanding of the proper relationship to us and your covenant. And now, Father, as we go through the rest of the Shabbat, we ask that you would help us to keep it as you have made it, that we may get the blessing that is in store for us, that when this day shall have come and gone, O Heavenly Father, we will be so refreshed that we can go into a new week, revitalized, renewed, and recreated in such a way that we can do a better job in the things, Lord, that we've been doing, because we have taken time out for the Sabbath. And again, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we have met together. And as we give you ourselves, we ask that the blood of Yeshua may continue to cover us and that your grace may continue to empower us to do the things that you have given in the Torah, that we can be in harmony with your wishes. And when you've done for us that which we've asked and given us our needs, we'll give your name the praise, the honor, and the glory, majesty, dominion, power, and all of the for your wonderful blessings pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray.
0: Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. We want to thank our listeners for your questions and comments. Believe me, it's much appreciated. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Know therefore that Yahuwah Eloheka, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and the mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. Until next week, shalom.